0: This is 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Brought to you by RCR Wireless News and Telecom Careers. Connect at kerrycharles.com. And now, here's Kerry Charles. 5G and smart cities can only become a reality for all Americans if there is enough fiber infrastructure to support them. Wise words from our guest today on 5G Talent Talk, Lisa Younger's. Lisa is the president and CEO of Fiber Broadband Association, the only all fiber trade association in the Americas. Last week, Lisa testified before the Senate Commerce Committee to advocate for fiber broadband deployment and our 5G future. Thank you so much for being with us today, Lisa.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Really looking forward to talking about these issues with you.
0: So tell us more about the Fiber Broadband Association.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. So the Fiber Broadband Association um, is the only uh, association across the Americas dedicated to the deployment of all fiber networks. Um, Our mission is to accelerate the deployment of all fiber access networks, and our vision is to be the voice for ultra-high-speed Wireline broadband deployments throughout the Americas. Um, we are a member association of about 250 members, and that includes all entities within sort of the fiberverse, uh, from manufacturers of fiber optic cable to the service providers who build and provide service over the networks. Um, we also have uh, equipment, then uh, equipment providers and aggregators, engineering firms, and then of course municipal networks, electric co-op networks. Um, and service providers of all sizes, and we also see other vendors, uh, and especially in the construction space, who are actually uh, deploying the fiber networks themselves and and the other companies that support that construction effort. So really we touch everybody in the area of deploying fiber networks. Um, A little bit more about our association, Uh, a particular hallmark of our association is we have a fiber broadband starter kit, and we teach entities how to build a fiber network we have educational workshops designed around that very topic, how to build a fiber network, and we try to uh, get out into the communities and, and do that education. We're also a thought leader on all things fiber and have an optics online magazine where we run uh, industry-leading and cutting-edge articles regarding fiber and fiber deployment. Um, we certainly collaborate with other industry allies and try to propel fiber deployment forward, um, and we are also part of a global alliance Of other fiber to the home and fiber councils and we work with them on global fiber issues as well and then as an advocacy perspective um, we work to remove barriers to deploying fiber so a lot of things going on trying to be the the educator and the advocate for all fiber networks and and, uh, advocate for positive policies around the deployment.
0: What an important role and association that's uh, fantastic Lisa. Thank so, you very much. So what is the role of fiber in deploying the 5G network?
1: Sure. So um, given the network and the architecture of 5G, um, 5G really needs fiber. And this, this is acknowledged by policymakers and industry leaders alike. Everyone knows as we roll out 5G, we need fiber and lots of it. Um, the use cases demand demand. Um, fiber and 5G from the enhanced mobile broadband capacities and speeds we expect with fifth generation wireless, as well as the low latency we need and the massive machine to machine communications and many IoT devices being connected, those all really need the characteristics of high speed, future proof fiber. And then the architecture itself of 5G, whether it's for front hall, back hall, or mid hall in the architecture, that all really needs uh, fiber and, and lots of it. We see with the densification um, of small cells needed to, or smaller antenna needed to deliver 5G, we need more and more fiber to feed all of those antennas. And and whether it's upper millimeter wave band, spectrum 5G, or mid-band CBRF 5G, or even low-band 5G, in every scenario, no matter the spectrum, all of those architectures uh, demand uh, lots and lots of fiber to make that 5G network work. Um, We have two statistics sort of to that end. Um, To meet 5G and wireless demands, the Fiber Broadband Association's own analysis in in our 5G work estimates that we'll need 1.4 million miles of fiber in just the top 25 U.S. metros to support 5G and wireless networks in the future. And even Deloitte last year did their own study on 5G and they estimated we will need a 130 to $150 billion investment in the U.S. and new fiber over the next five to seven years to support 5G and wireless networks. So we really do see sort of everyone on the same page about how much fiber we'll need to support the growth of 5G.
0: So, Lisa, what progress has been made to date in achieving the goals of rapid all-fiber network deployments?
1: Sure. And the Fiber Broadband Association, we um, – Another major sort of feature of our association and something we take uh, very seriously and great pride in is we do a lot of research, and and that includes uh, credible, um, academic, and reliable research on fiber and its relationship uh, to many things. And annually, we do a deployment study. And in December, we came out with our new numbers on fiber deployments. Um, In the U.S., we saw 17% growth of fiber deployment in 2019. Um, We now have 20.5 million homes connected, and across North America, 15% growth in 2019 of new fiber-to-home deployments. We also measure, uh, you know, the growth of fiber, period, and we see a growth of fiber across all applications, whether fiber to the home, fiber to outdoor small cells, fiber to new housing, fiber to the node, fiber to the macro tower, just to name a few, we're seeing you know, fiber growth in, in many of those areas, but particularly um, seeing growth in fiber to outdoor small cells uh, growing. And we're really just at the beginning of 5G network deployment. So we, we see ongoing growth in fiber, and our, our numbers do bear that out.
0: So Lisa, in your testimony to the Senate Commerce Committee, you talked Mm -hmm. about the barriers to deployment of fiber networks and 5G. So what are some of these barriers and how is the Fiber Broadband Association helping to remove these barriers?
1: Sure. So um, in my U.S. Senate testimony, and thanks for asking about that, we did focus on the barriers to 5G deployment and our areas or our comments focused in two areas. First of all, we definitely see a labor and job uh, skills training shortage um, in this country for not only 5G networks, but fiber construction, fiber deployment, period. And I think we're going to unpack workforce in a minute. So the rest of our um, testimony um, dealt with other barriers to deployment. We have members that have trouble crossing uh, railroad crossings, with fiber as they deploy. And so we try to reach out on an industry basis with the railroad associations and, and uh, tackle those issues. But, but my members do have problems uh, crossing railroads. Um, we, my members, as they deploy in cities and states, have great relationships with those local cities and states. But certainly we like to see that fees are, are reasonable and, and cost-based instead of market-based. And we also, you know, My members have problems when there are long delays in permitting processes and and certainly across federal lands as well. So there's been some activity to improve that. First of all, we work on our own uh, relationships with those agencies, but some legislation like Mobile Now that was passed by Congress a couple years ago that set out to streamline federal permitting, that certainly helped. So we, we encourage policymakers to stay vigilant where they've tried to set policies where these permitting practices are uh, reasonable, fair, no delays, cost-based, and and where we see issues, we try to raise those again um, to ensure that we can uh, deploy. So those kind of barriers are things that my members look out for and uh, work on. We also, as our members deploy fiber, they have to uh, work with owners of poles, Um, generally Recent steps by the FCC and their orders have uh, assisted in making the process of uh, attaching to polls a a smoother process, one-touch-make-ready, but where some of those new regulations aren't working, we raise that again with the policymakers. We want to see that that great order we got out of the FCC enforced. So um, we continue to work on that, and my members need access to, you know, polls and rights of way and across railroad crossings and permitting to in order to deploy networks. And so we stay vigilant on making sure the regulations or laws in place are enforced. And where something's still not working, we will raise it to the attention of policymakers to try to address it.
0: You're listening to 5G Talent Talk. I'm with Lisa Youngers, the CEO of the Fiber Broadband Association. And we're talking about the barriers to broadband deployment. Lisa, one very important barrier is hiring and retaining skilled labor, as you just said, and job training. How is this labor crisis affecting companies and and also the rollout of 5G? Sure. And, and we
1: have, um, you know, as a, as a fiber association, we know fiber is the critical infrastructure for 5G. And we have construction members who every day are deploying new fiber networks. And they're at they're on the front lines of facing labor and, and skilled labor shortages. And so they've taken some, some steps to try to address that. Um, but to give you a size out the problem, I have a couple of construction members who can't take on new projects because they don't have enough skilled labor to uh, run those projects. And in fact, I have two construction members that are booked out for this entire year. Um, I have one construction member that said he short a hundred crews on projects he could do. And that's a hundred crews, not a hundred people, a hundred crews. And we also have uh, equipment providers who see a flattening of equipment uh, sales because not because there's not demand for new networks, there certainly is, but because in some of those cases, there are enough skilled labor um, to run those machines. So it's having a, An interesting impact and we can actually see it in terms of the work. What some of my construction members have done, and and I'm grateful for many things that they're doing, and actually not just my construction members but my members in general, is they've reached out to the community colleges and they're building new programs um, to really address the the kind of skills they need and they're missing and to try to uh, have the community colleges become their partners in designing curriculum that addresses um, those labor shortages and, and the things uh, they see missing from the workforce. We also have members that are reaching further back. They're going to the high schools and talking about jobs in building these networks. And to make that exciting, these these are networks that will power every, you know, the next generation of technologies and applications that everyone's talking about, smart grids, smart cities, gaming, gaming. Uh, IoT, artificial intelligence, lots of applications that will rely on these new high-speed future-proof fiber networks. So they're reaching into the high schools to get students excited about careers in this area. And we also have a member that has started a high school scholarship for those interested in going to a community college and earning an associate degree in the network construction field. And we see the Department of Labor um, setting up some grant programs and apprenticeships that are geared towards these areas and we have members that are trying to take advantage of those programs and that's fantastic. We just need more of it. So something we we said to the U.S. Senate is we need more of those apprenticeship programs, more of those grant-based programs to drive this kind of curriculum into the community colleges or tech schools and really help uh, increase our our labor and our, our skilled workforce in these areas. Um, We also need the Department of Labor to call out these areas of work more specifically. We hope in the grant programs they call out words like 5G, fiber networks, broadband. We don't always see those words called out specifically for grants and apprenticeship programs. And if that's really where we need the, the work and that's really where we need the grant money, then we need to see those terms really called out specifically in future grant programs and that's something we're working towards.
0: You know, I, I echo your thoughts, Lisa. As a company that staffs for fiber resources, labor shortage is the number one complaint of our clients, and uh, I, I agree with you 100%. I'm also excited to hear about the grant programs because I do believe that we need to start younger. Uh, kids are thinking about what they're going to do now in high school, and some are preparing for college and some are not these days. So I think I'm uh, very exciting to hear that those changes are taking place. Um, what would you say are the specific skills that we're missing? What, what are we talking about here with skills?
1: Sure, and and thanks for asking that. I think that's a really important question, and my members have helped in discussions with me flesh that out further. We we hear sort of a shorthand um, from policymakers and some industry leaders when they refer to the skilled workforce and what's missing in building our, our 5G networks, they they leave it at tower climbers. Now, I'm there's no doubt, first of all, tower climbing is a very specialized skill, very critical, and I'm, I'm certain there are shortages there, and I know folks are addressing that. My members would add a lot of other skills and jobs as well, from creating network architecture and architecture planning to being able to read blueprints. Fusing, splicing, and closing fiber connections in the field. Operating heavy machinery um, and lots of spe- specifics around machinery needed when you deploy fiber and when you're uh, building a fiber network out in the field. So the ability to operate all of that heavy machinery. Um, absolutely climbing pools and towers, um, but, but once there to ins- be able to install equipment in the field. Um, as well as training folks on how to conduct locates which, of course, is the ability to locate and mark other facilities that are already in the ground and that you need to know when you're deploying a network. You need to know what else is there, and and being able to do a locate is a very specific task. So lots of um, specific items that our members would say are missing and that require training, and they're trying to build the curriculum I referenced earlier around uh, the ability to fill in and, and take care of these skills as well. So more than climbing towers. All of these items are needed, and then once you get to more specifics on equipment, whether it's um, the antenna or other or fiber itself or other um, technical specifications and equipment in the field that, that can bring in a whole host of other skills from uh, antenna sighting, um, being able to work on antenna ultimately, and uh, RF engineering and other engineering as well. So lots of, lots of components to the labor and skilled workforce um, that our members and really would like to see fleshed out and, you know, see a more robust workforce and experience in this area.
0: So, Lisa, that makes me think of another question on transferable skills. Do you sure. see, you know, there obviously, you know, every employer wants a plug and play worker, you know, come in, already have the skills that you need to do the job and, and get to work. But as you can, you know, as you just said, I mean, we really have a shortage here. So are you seeing more of your members that are being flexible in their requirements, um, accepting transferable skills, and then training their workers on these skills that you just mentioned?
1: Right. And, and it's a great question, and I've, I've certainly um, asked my members about that. So. There are some transferable skills, and, and they like to point this out. So, the ability to work on wireless and wireline skills, there's, or, sorry, wireless and wireline networks, there are transferable skills across um, those in- industries, and in fact, they become sort of the same industry, really, um, since ninety five percent of the wireless build is really the wireline or the fiber part of the build. So, they do see certainly transferable skills across those two types of networks, and really, they become the same. Um, I think they also see, you know, from other utility work, I think they can they see some transferable skills there. But I will note I have a company that does in-house or in-company training, but they do that on top of training that those employees already come to them with. So they really need the two-year associate's degree or tech school degree. And then once they come to them, they still do in-house training. Um, So they actually think they need both. Um, on-the-job training isn't enough. They need those folks to come to them with some of that uh, education already under their belt. Um, I will add, at least uh, we've talked a lot about uh, students right out of high school heading into community college. I do have some members looking at some second career workforce transition, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, how can we take – and Blends into your question about transferable skills. How can we take folks who are looking at this as a second career and get them up and running and trained to also be part of our skilled workforce? Um, and anecdotally, we even saw uh, some a, a Colorado entity that was really mining focused, and it took all of their employees and it retrained them to be locators. Um, and so there are opportunities um, for second career, and I. I I think some companies are starting to look at that as well, not just uh, students coming out of, out of high school but, and that workforce, but what can we do um, where we can take, make some second career transitions as well. And they're only starting to look at that. There aren't big numbers on that yet, but I think that's another opportunity. And I think the last point I would made, make we, on this point, we talked a lot about um, the skills needed for the 5G networks. And I was asked recently, well, what about when all the 5G networks are built? what happens to this labor force. These are on, ongoing maintenance on these networks, ongoing updates and upgrades. There will there will be maintenance and ongoing jobs in this area. It doesn't just end when 5G networks are built. There's always something new coming down the, uh, you know, down the road and, and there's maintenance and, and upgrading of those networks as well, you know, over time. So it's definitely, a uh, you know, it's a good area with good careers and good jobs. And so um, I don't, I don't see the need for those skills and that labor pool changing.
0: So we've talked a bit about solutions and uh, you've uh, definitely given some brilliant solutions to the 5G labor crisis. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about that. Go deeper into what can we do here? What can companies and leaders do? And, you know, what is the five, you know, the fiber broadband association doing? Um, Let's look at solutions. Sure. And um, currently my members, and it's really member-led, they're, they're
1: looking at continuing to work with their community colleges um, and help build the curriculum that they really need to support this. As an association, um, we're trying to bring our members together on this point, and we also have uh, some outreach to community colleges as well on programs we would like to see happen, building on some things that community colleges have already done. Um, and we also have, you know, we can also look at some in-house certifications that, that we can do to help support, you know, the fiber uh, workforce, fiber network workforce. Um, we also need to, I think, explore where can there be other apprenticeship or grant opportunities. And then I think there's some education we can do as an association. I think this is where we really can come in. Um, actually, Senator Tester, who recommended this in a hearing, uh, the week before the hearing, I was on. Uh, he did a, the Senate did a, industries of the future hearing, and it came up there. I think the association can help educate community colleges on a higher level as they strategize and think about their student population. I think we can educate them on the skills we think are missing, right? We we hear this sort of shorthand, but I think we can do some outreach uh, to community college leadership and say these are the skills as the industry here that we think are missing. So I think there's a real education opportunity for us to, at a high level, help inform the community colleges on what the skills of the future really are and and we can help uh, drive some of that home and, and what are the skills missing and what are the jobs associated with those skills. Once you've acquired those skills, what kind of jobs or careers can you be looking at? So I think there's a real education opportunity for us there as well. But otherwise, I think our members have shown real leadership in this area and we will continue to collaborate with them and support them and find new ways to drive all of that forward.
0: You know, education and training is key, and it's going to take every single one of us to solve this problem.
1: That's right. I agree. And, and whatever we can do to put a bright, shine a bright spotlight on that, um, we can do that as an association.
0: Yes. So Lisa, um, this has just been a, a wonderful conversation. How can our listeners get in touch with you and find out more about the Fiber Broadband Association?
1: Uh, great. And I, I would love to hear from folks and, and love to talk about our resources and what we're doing here. Um, it's fiberbroadband.org, fiberbroadband.org, that's where we're located. Um, and then contact information can be found there as well. And Someone going to that site can see our resources and some of the things we do, and we also hold a a big annual show um, this year in Nashville, Fiber Connect 2020, June 1 through 3rd, and we bring everyone together under one roof um, to talk about fiber deployments. We have great content, a great exhibit floor, um, and from service providers to vendors and equipment providers and manufacturers, all sort of there right at one place, and Also on our website, folks who are building fiber networks can find out more about our fiber network education and um, our workshops on how to build a fiber network. So fiberbroadband.org is the place to go.
0: And I can say that uh, Fiber Connect is an excellent event. Uh, I've been before. We're going to go again this year. So definitely attend that event. It it really is well worth it. And that's FiberConnect.org. Okay, FiberConnect.org. org. Yes. Perfect. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today on 5G Talent Talk.
1: Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about these really critical issues.
0: And thank you for being with us today on 5G Talent Talk. We are sponsored by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. And you can connect with me at com. Would love to hear your feedback, your thoughts, and please remember to subscribe to the podcast. I'll talk to you on the next episode. You've been listening to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Brought to you by RCR Wireless News and Telecom Careers. Connect with Kerry Carrie at kerrycharles.com.